Great to have you here. It's great to be worshiping with you. And uh, hey, we're in a series this summer called Fired Up. And uh, each of the pastors that's preaching is taking a little bit of time to share something they're fired up about. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of people that have come into this church. Some have never been in a church before. And uh, this is their first church experience as they're coming in and worshiping with us here. And, and uh, it's great to have you guys with us. And some have come from other church experiences in their past. And, and so there's always things we get used to doing. You know what I mean? We get into these little rituals and these experiences and we're like, that's just the way it should be. And then we show up somewhere else and we find out that's just not the way it is everywhere, right? And then we have to kind of work through that. What does it mean? And is that okay? And am I good with this? And one of those things that often comes up is communion. And uh, what is communion? And how does that even work? Why do we even do it? And uh, should it be continued? And if so, how often? And right, it answers the what and the who and the why of it all. And And so what I thought I'd do today is just take a little bit of time for us to do some serious digging in on communion and then some serious celebrating afterwards, all right? So do this with me. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. And... uh, Turn with us there, 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. All right, a couple of points to communion. And uh, the first one, uh, take it together as a church and seek to build unity. Take communion together as a church and seek to build unity. Communion is meant to be in community. You know what I'm saying? That's part of where it comes from. And so starting in verse 17 here, but in the Following instructions, I do not commend you. This is coming from the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, and uh, it's a letter he's writing, right? And so this is his first line. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. That had to be a fun letter to read, right? And uh, oh, great, Paul's going to go off on us now. Here we go. What have we done wrong? And uh, remember, they don't know what it is. All they know is they're sitting there listening to the letter being read, and the first words out are, just so you know, not really happy with this one. Get ready. Let's talk about it a little bit, all right? Uh, Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Just to stop there for a second. Every time we gather together as a church, it needs to be for the betterment of the whole of this community. And all of God's people said, man, we better get this straight. We are here, yes, to glorify our God and lift him up, and yes, to make sure that we personally are growing with him, and yes, to make sure that we together are rallying together for the better of this community, for the better of your soul, and for the better of our God as we glorify him. All of it coming for the better, not for the worse. Now, he's got an example where that's not exactly taken place, right? This is what he's not commending them in. Everybody say not. Not, not commending them in this. Uh, it says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. He's like, I'm hearing that there's these groups, man, and you're just hanging out in your little cliques, and you won't talk to someone, and you won't go over and break the ice with someone. This is not the, hey, I was talking to a few people, and I didn't have a chance to get over and talk to this other guy. I would have loved to have talked to him. I was just chatting over here and praying with someone, and 
It's not that. This is the, I walk in and I go, I ain't talking to that guy. I don't want to be near them. Okay, they're sitting in row five. We are not. Everybody to row eight, move back. Right? And it's the, we're going to keep division. We're going to keep separation. And we don't really want to be near them because, and then whatever the blank gets filled in with, and it's wrong. Okay? And let's be very careful as we rally to this place. Man, there are so many different ways that you could figure out to divide up a group of people. Right? And you can divide them by experience. You can divide them by age. You can divide them by education. You can divide them by geography. You can divide them by how long they've been saved. You can divide them by... Can everybody just say not? Let's not do any dividing, man. Let's bring it together. Unity. And uh, for the betterment of this community and for the glory of our God. It says, I hear that there are divisions among you. I believe it in part, for there at least must be uh, factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. All right, I love that piece with Paul. He's like, all right, all right, I'll give you this. The guy who's trying to wreck the whole thing and the people on fire. I'll at least give you that faction, okay? And so the guy who's on fire for Jesus Christ and genuine about his walk and willing to go after it, great. And, and that is going to distinguish from some that walk in here and they're like, I'm telling you, I'm here for one purpose. Networking. I just need to know people. And I've got some things I need to do, man. I need to know that people know me and I need to know that my business can be furthered here and I need to, whatever. And uh, look, it's not wrong to love on people and it's not wrong to have relationship with people and that is awesome, okay? And so, yes, connecting. But be careful. If it starts to become nothing but self-serving, we got an issue, right? And all of God's people said, let's be very careful, man, as we rally this place together. May Christ be glorified by the unity in this body as we reach out with purpose. And uh, yes, be genuine and passionate in your faith. Paul's really saying here, there might be a little faction getting driven in, but it goes like this. Because you're so fired up for Christ, you look a little different. Don't bring your heat down. Call their heat up. Okay? That's what he's saying. Get fired up for Jesus Christ. And uh, he says, when you, uh, when you come together, it is not that the Lord's Supper that you are eating. It is not the Lord's Supper you're eating. Now, here's what he's trying to say. Sure, it's a supper you're eating. It's not the Lord's Supper. Uh, let me put the emphasis on the word Lord there. And why is he saying that? Well, because God is known... For his servant heart. God is known for his humility. God is known for his unity. God is known for his patience. God is known for his awesome love of those around him. And, and so anything that would have his name attached to it is going to have those character traits. And uh, they had a problem going on with their communion. And it wasn't that it looked like that. It says, for in eating, here's our problems, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Are you hearing it? So when they got together, these were actually called agape feasts, love feasts. That's kind of where our communion comes from. And when they got together, they would actually do a whole meal rather than a representative meal. And some of them are just diving in, right? And so, you know, we've got the communion. You see the trays here down in front, and it's like somebody comes in, and they're like, oh, communion today. 
And so they just go up and they like take the first lid off and they just dig in and they start pouring some bread in and they grab a few cups and the guys in back are like, not everybody's here yet. And he's like, too bad, man, I'm hungry. That's literally what they had going on. It almost makes you cringe, doesn't it? You start thinking about it, you're like, oh, it's like missing the whole point. And they had some guys just diving in, going ahead. They had other people not even getting anything because there was nothing left. They go hungry. And then there's others that are drinking so much. Remember, they had the wine that they were drinking, and so they're ending up getting drunk off of uh, what would be the Lord's Supper. Then he says the emphatic, what? I just love that. Even in Paul's day, what? Are you kidding me? Did I seriously just get this report? Is this really what's going on in Corinth? And uh, he says, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Again, for those of you who think that sarcasm is not in the Bible, right? He's like, come on, I know you've got homes, man. Eat at home, and this isn't for coming and shoving your face. This is for celebrating a unity together in your God. And uh, do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? And uh, please be careful. Like, really, this is what he was saying. It's some of these people were not able to have enough to eat. And so really what was supposed to be happening was the sharing out of that in a way that those who didn't have enough could have enough by the end of that day. It was their form of having benevolence get handed out. We have a benevolence team. We do care out. And uh, we make sure we take care of that in a couple of other ways. But this was part of their benevolence team, making sure that they got some food to them. Please make sure you're taking care of people, not humiliating and despising the church. He says, what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Can't you hear? It's like this ultimate motherly moment. You can hear the hand going on hip, and he's like, no, I will not. This needs to change now, and uh, let's get together on what this all is about, okay? That's the start of what Paul's not commending them in right here. Man, communion. Uh, it almost gives me a weird feeling inside to even talk through what they were doing wrong. It's just so off. And uh, we miss when we miss the unity. May God be glorified in the midst of the unity. You know, this past couple of weeks, we sent a group of high schoolers and leaders to Haiti. And uh, we had 49 plus people when you count all the different translators and everything down there together. And these te- people all working together as a team. And I'm just telling you the reports that come back like smiles everywhere, a joy doing the ministry, a blast laughing together, having a kid in your lap any moment you possibly could, never complaining about what's going on. Man, you would, I'm just telling you, you would be proud of what these guys were doing. God was moving in the midst of these high schoolers and using them to minister to hundreds upon hundreds of people up in the mountains and down in Jacmel. And uh, love being able to send them, love being able to see what God does. Unity, man, it speaks when a team rallies together and makes much of their king. May God be glorified. I just wrote this down. The best sign of God at work is a united front of sinners pointing to an amazing Savior. And that's the church. A united front of sinners, we have every broken reason within us to battle and have division and not think about each other. 
but a united front calling together, caring for one another and pointing to the amazing Savior. That brings glory to our God. Okay? And uh, communion, the first and one of the majors, it's about unity. It's about considering one another and rallying together. So simple question. How's your unity? How are you doing at coming in here considering others? Is selfishness the motivation you're coming to church or are you ready to care for somebody around you? Are you ready to lift up your king and glorify his name? And uh, may church be that opportunity for us. We need to be here to worship in one voice, okay? That's the first and huge point. Second, uh, take it as a symbol of all that Jesus has done for you. Take it as a symbol of all that Jesus has done for you. Communion, it's an opportunity for us to rally around the symbol of Christ and his sacrifice. He says now, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. In other words, and this message is from God. Hear me now, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the night when he was betrayed, he's thinking about other people. He's calling them together and he's training them. He's giving them a focus and a direction for what they'll need when he's gone. Servant. Focused. Loving and compassionate. The night he was betrayed, man, the king of the universe who spoke this place into existence who sustains it by his presence, Jesus Christ, in the moment that he's making himself ultimately available to come to the cross of all moments. Didn't he have the right to go, guys, seriously, I need a little bit of time. Y'all figure yourselves out. I'm gonna take a little bit of time away right now. And instead he's like, rally the troops. Let's bring this together. There's gonna be some things that come down and they're gonna need to know and understand this. Let's get this moving forward now. All for God's glory. And that Jesus Christ, the night he was betrayed, when things are going totally sideways and he's about ready to be delivered up to the cross, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and then it says he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after, this, after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the bread and the cup, please notice that it says here, this is my body, and this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Okay? Notice it says, this is. And so we have to work that through. And so what does that mean? And we have to be reasonable with it, and we have to be careful with it, okay? And so does that mean he took the bread and he said, this is my body? Does that mean it literally is now his body? What does it mean? And I'll just tell you, um, it says right after it, do this in remembrance of me, okay? It doesn't say do this to me or do this with me, with my body, right? It says do in remembrance. And so uh, one thing we want to be very clear on is communion is a symbol. It is a model of that. This is a metaphor moment when he's like, this is my body. And just like when he's talking and he says, I am the door, he, he means Trusting in him is the way through to seven. He doesn't mean he became a door, right? And so let's be very careful the use of metaphors and then not, and we have to reason that through wisely and be careful with it. There are some that teach other forms of it, 
And I just want to tell you, what happens is you start to begin to teach the way we're going to get close to Christ is by being with his body and blood. And so communion ends up becoming something very different. It actually starts to become something you could even be saved in, depending on how they teach it. And uh, that's not what the scripture is saying. Everybody say not. Okay, it's a symbol. And he's like, this this is my body, and, and they all understood it to me, and it's a representation. This is a model, and he says, do this in remembrance of me, and every time after that in remembrance, this is a remembering tool to be able to come back to, and, and I just want to be really careful when I say this, all right? There are really, there are three different views, and the first view is the one I just shared, the symbol, all right? And uh, we believe that here firmly, we teach that firmly, we walk that firmly. That has some impact, and we'll talk about that in just a second. There are some, though, that would say, no, literally he meant it turned into his, his flesh right there. And each time it's said, it turns into his body and it turns into his actual blood. There's a big word for that. I'll throw it out. And those of you who care, you can listen. And those who don't, check out. The word is transubstantiation. Okay? And that literally means this became my flesh right now. It is my flesh. It's got new DNA. It's got new type. This became my actual blood. Okay? And some teach that. And what ends up happening is the way you actually get close to Christ is you then can go through with that communion. You're now literally taking his body and his blood. And uh, they've taken this actual metaphor here, this is my body, and they've turned it into this is a reality. And uh, let's be careful with that, okay? I want to respect what they're trying to accomplish. They appreciate communion and they respect that. I disagree, though, on what that uh, interpretation of the metaphor is, okay? The next one, there's transubstantiation, then there's con substantiation. That means that the body and blood of Christ are in, around, and with, but it still has stayed bread and cup, okay? In both cases, they're trying to get the this is to literally be is, okay? So it's either it is, like it really became that in some way, shape, or form, whether it's trans or con, right, is, or it, it's a metaphor, and it's meant to be a symbol, and then it says right after it, do this in remembrance. And so, we're definitely clear on it. This is a symbol. This represents the body and blood of Christ, and we're doing it as a remembering tool. Everybody say, to remember. Okay, that's what we're going after here. And uh, Christ giving a very clear direction on it. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For as often. Notice it doesn't say how often. It doesn't say for daily when you do this, or for weekly, or monthly, or annually. And so just so you know, there's some that do it on a weekly basis, take communion. There's some that do that on a monthly, or bi-monthly, every other month. Some that do it once a year, no matter what, once a year kind of thing. And uh, around here, just so you know, what we tend to do as a symbol and a remembrance, we try once per sermon series to bring that up. That means somewhere in that Six to ten week kind of time period which we go through communion as a remembrance, okay? Once per sermon series. Here we are in the Fired Up series for the summer, and we're taking communion, okay? And so that's what we're doing. Once per sermon series, going after it as, the, as often as you, okay? And so we're trying to walk through this passage and be real to it and be faithful to it to that end. And notice that it says, as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a celebration of the sacrifice of our king. We are remembering. Now hear me. A lot of people turn the corner right here and they make a mistake. We are not remembering all the sins that I do and how horrible I am and how unworthy I am and stop there. I just remember my unworthiness and I'm done. See, all too often then communion takes on this heavy weight 
of just me coming up short. But it says here, we're proclaiming the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are remembering what the king has done. This is celebration that there is solution. Yes, we get real with our sin. But yes, we absolutely remember and celebrate who our God is and all that he has done. And all of God's people said, and that's what we're going after, all right? Huge celebration time as we do get right with him and then we lift up his name for all that he's done for us. Remembering. All right. Let's lighten it up a little bit here. So uh, there's a farmer. And uh, he's out in his farm and he's got a friend who lives in the city. His friend comes out from the city to visit him. And they're sitting on the back deck and they're talking about farming and life on the farm. And, and the, the guy is just noticing all these amazing things he doesn't see when he's in the city. And the farmer goes, you think that? Check this out. He goes, hey! And points and his dog runs out into the pasture, and there's cattle all over the pasture. And he just starts going to each cow, and he's kind of nudging them along. And these cows all start to get moving in one direction. And he herds all the cattle from across the whole pasture while the farmer's just sitting on his, on his deck. And he's just watching this move. Now the cattle all start moving in towards the gate, and he moves them through the gate and into the corral. And then comes up and flips the gate with his nose, and the door comes up and closes. He jumps up, hits it with his paws, and it locks. Doc comes running over and sits down at the farmer's feet. And he goes, how do you like that? And he goes, that's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. Dude, what's your dog's name? And he goes, oh, um, I do, what do you call that flower that has the red rose, the petals on it, the, what do you call those red things, and the, and the thorns, he goes, a rose, he goes, yeah, yeah, hey, Rose, what's the name of the dog? <laughs> Lame joke, just lighten it up. Hey, man, we have terrible memories, don't we? It's pathetic how quickly we can forget, and Christ is like, just so y'all know, we got a plan for that. And we're going to need to come together and we're going to need to remember on a regular basis like who our God is and how awesome he is. Let's just get simply reminded that our God has it in hand. Amen? That's our king. Jesus Christ and him on the cross and him risen from the dead, his blood, his body. And hear me now, for each and every one of us who trust Christ as Savior, we now come to the communion table saying, my God rocks. He is awesome and he has this in hand. And while I come up short, he never does. I remember you as king, Lord, and I worship you. That's communion. All right? So first step is we need to make sure we've got it in unity. Second step, we need to take it as a symbol and uh, come together that way, remembering. Third, take it from a position of humility and repentance before your God. Take it from a position of humility and repentance before your great God. And uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about our heart before it. And uh, He says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. In an unworthy manner. What does that mean? It means Jesus Christ died for my sins and I don't care. 
I'm going to sin in whatever way I want, and I'm going to stand on them. Thank you. It will be about me. And in the midst of celebrating that he died on the cross, we're actually executing the thing he died for, right? That's the sad of it, when we literally participate in the very thing he needed to die for, and we're not willing to set it down. That's an unworthy manner. It's coming not reflecting on and setting aside our sin, but instead staying in it and celebrating the sin. And uh, he says here, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a person examine himself. Who should the person examine? Notice it does not say let a person examine the one sitting to their right. Right? It's not like you should be sitting there and go, I don't, know if, I don't know if you should be taken today. Have you considered what you said to me yesterday? Right? It's not that as much as it's examine yourself. And there might be relationships that need to be restored at some level, and you need to work that out. And I'm great with that, okay? Even right here as we're taking communion, and you'll see how we walk through this today. And uh, pretty much do it the same way every time in order to walk the whole of this passage. Um, but he says, examine yourself. Man, dig deep. Look within and like, Lord, where have I been stepping on you this week? This month? Lord, what attitude needs to go? What temperament needs to stop? Lord, where have I been all about self and it needs to be turned over to you? May you be glorified. A time of examining. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, just a powerful couple of verses on how to come before your God. And uh, examine ourselves. It says, so that you can then eat and drink. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Judgment. Like God takes this for real, man. This is not just some little uh, toy memory thing. There's something else going on here. And uh, notice it says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning eats and drinks judgment. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have even died. Do you believe that? That we can so wrongly come before our God, so arrogantly stand in our sin that literally God begins to walk us down a path that is physically kind of taking us apart. And, and it could be the way that you live your life and the, what's going on within your soul as you're demanding of self and it's just, it, this isn't good for you, man. It's literally eating you up physically just because of the natural consequences of it all. And it could be more, and, and let's be careful with this. This doesn't say that every time you're sick, it's because of that, all right? It doesn't say that, but it does say it could be. It could be that we are so uncarefully, disrespectfully coming before our God, and we're missing what he's trying to teach us along the way. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but like James chapter 5, when it says the elders are called to pray over, right? It says if one of you is sick, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them. And we'll pray for people at the front here, but when we rally as elders to pray over someone, 
One of the things we walk through as a piece of that, it's very clear. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. There's a sense in James chapter 5 of this sickness could be caused by standing in sin against your God. So when we as elders are praying over, one of the questions we walk through is, is there anything that needs to be let go of? Is there any sin that needs to be dropped? Anything you need to confess before your God, either privately where you're at or with us right now? where you want to reveal. And uh, take it for real, man. Let's get before our God and get serious about sin. Okay? And Christ took it so seriously that he went to the cross for us. That he rose again and conquered death, bringing life. Praise be to God. May we not be flippant with that now, but instead say, Lord, what needs to change in me that you might have your greater work? And all of God's people said, Let's get on that, man. Let's make much of our king. Down with sin, up with our savior. Okay? And, uh, he's like, be careful. There can be consequences. Notice it says, but if we judge ourselves truly, uh, we would not be judged. In other words, dig deep, get it clean, and then God doesn't have to be working with you on that. It's kind of the obvious. God's not going to let it just sit, so work with them. Okay? And... Uh, it says, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. And that's just such a huge word. This is not a judgment that brings um, condemnation. This is a judgment that he's wooing you in. He's cleaning you up. He loves you too much to leave you in that. He's like, I'm just telling you that sin is devastating and I just don't want to see you there any longer. My heart's breaking for you. I'm going to get you through that. Come with me now. Okay? And takes it for real. And uh, I want to be very careful with how this passage is used. Don't overblow it and get into those moments where you're like, every single sickness must be caused by sin. That just isn't true. But at the same time, we do need to consider when we have an ongoing thing that we cannot beat and we can't figure out what's happening, it could be there's something that needs to be let go of. And maybe you've even been approaching your God in an unworthy manner as you've been wanton and, and careless with your sin before him. And it's time to get it clean. And uh, maybe let me just say it this way. What do you need to let go of right now? This week, you know, you've been taking inventory along the week, and you're like, oh, I've been losing my temper, and I've been judging somebody else, and I've been, what needs to be let go of? Man, stop the fight. Set it down. And worship your king. Okay? He says here, uh, when we are judged by the Lord, uh, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Notice the, world, the word condemnation does come in. It's for those who don't stand with Jesus Christ, calling him Lord and Savior. What does it mean that he's Lord and Savior? It means that we believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and we confess him as our Lord, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Like, I get what sin is, and I'm done with it. And Lord, you have died for me and risen again. I believe that. I'm convinced of that. And you are in charge in my life. Take over. Have you done that? Have you gotten to a point where you said, I'm not toying around anymore. I'm putting him in charge right now. Have you put a stake in the ground and made him your king? That's my request. 
Communion is all about making sure that's done first, right? Communion does not save. It is because we are already saved. And in the midst of being saved and trusting in him, believing that he is risen and confessing him as Lord, we're now remembering the work that he's already done. Communion is for those who are saved. Are you there? Are you trusting your God and coming to him? And maybe right now is the moment and you've never covered it before, but right now you're like, I'm in. Just let your God know. I believe and I'm making you my king. I'm in. Okay. He says here at the end, um, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Patience and unity. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Don't come in trying to get filled up on communion. Instead, come in trying to celebrate and remember your God. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give direction when I come. That had to just send chills down their spine. <laughs> oh, great. Can't wait for Paul to get here. And it's uh, pretty clear on communion and pretty direct on what it's about. Man, we serve an amazing God. And while we have destroyed self and brought in sin, while we need a Savior and we cannot stand on our own, he has the answer. Jesus Christ. He came to the cross. His shed blood, his body ripped and torn for you and for me. Him risen from the dead and we have hope and life in him. And this is our remembering tool that we can say, I serve the risen Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. And nothing and no one will take me off my position that my God reigns. And all of God's people said, that is what communion is all about. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to come on up along with the worship team. If you guys can just come and get in your places. And while they're getting in place, let's just take a little inventory here, okay? So we've just read what communion's all about. We've just walked through it. And uh, my simple question to you is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Man, if you haven't, this moment is the time. I'm handing my life to him. I'm done. I want to be saved. Lord, please forgive me of my sin. You're my king. Right? Just right now where you are. And um, for those of you who haven't trusted in Christ and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, you're visiting with us today and you're like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what I should do with this whole thing. Here's my request. As the bread and the cup are passed, just go ahead and pass it by. That's okay. Like this is a moment where you're like, I'm not sure where I stand with Jesus Christ. Then go ahead and pass it by and just take this moment to pray, to reflect with your God, asking him whatever you need to talk through and getting some things clear and just go ahead and pass that by without taking it. All right?
If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, this is for you. This we do in remembrance of our almighty King and His sacrifice for us. All right? So we're going to walk through a time as the bread and cup are being passed where we're just doing some worship and some reflection and some confession. We're going to take care of that. But this is a time for you. One last reminder. So remember how we do the bread and the cup. We've got the two cups stacked, right? And so the bread is underneath and the drink is on top. So make sure you grab both cups deep. Pick up both cups. Pick up both cups. Pick up both cups. I've now said it to every section. We should be good. All right, so make sure you pick up both. And then let's just take a time in prayer. Hold until the end and we'll all take it together. All right? So everybody just hold on to that bread and cup we'll take together at the end. Let's just go to prayer here. Heavenly Father, we do worship you. We do celebrate you. We're amazed by you. Lord, we thank you for your word and the clarity of your word, for the direction you give. And Lord, from the words we've read today, we are now coming before you humbly, graciously, thankfully, and remembering all that you do for us. Hear our praise now, Lord. Just worship your God right where you're at privately, thanking him for who he is as we begin to pass the bread and the cup. Lord, hear our prayers. We are in awe of you as creator with your spoken word. All that we know exists. And sustainer with your presence, you hold it all together. You are a redeemer as you come to the cross for us. And you are advocate as you stand before the Father. And you have seated yourself at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. Lord, we worship you and we're in awe of you. Continue to praise your God. Now in light of how awesome he is, what do you need to let go of? Lord, please forgive us for our selfishness and for our independence. Lord, hear our cries as we release each specific sin that we need to let go of before you. Just share with your God and confess.
Don't get distracted. Just keep digging deep. Lord, what needs to go? Back to worship again now. Lord, you are King of kings, Lord of lords, God of the universe, no one like you. You alone deserve our praise. You alone deserve our glory. You are rock and fortress. You are our stronghold, our horn of salvation. We worship you, almighty King. Continue to just praise your God. Now one last time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What needs to go? Ask your God to just show you what needs to be released and come before your king. there's somebody that you know you've hurt, somebody that you know you need to talk to, resolve right now, Lord, after this morning, I'm talking to him. Getting it set with your God and trusting in him. Father God, we thank you for your word and the power of your word, the directness of your word. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ who is the word, the truth, that you bring hope, that you bring salvation, that you bring redemption. And Lord, without you, we have nothing. And with you, we have everything. We stand in awe. Thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity for forgiveness. You are gracious and merciful, and there is no one like you. It is in your mighty and powerful name I pray these things. And all of God's people said, amen. And so, in remembrance of our God and all that he's done, as Jesus Christ stood before the disciples and took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body. And we have the privilege of knowing what that was about. They did not know what it meant yet. And as he handed it around, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat.
And then at the end, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant, my blood. Take and drink. Amen. That we may remember all that he has done for us. That we may remember how awesome our God is. That we may come together in unity as a body and celebrating our God who is one. To remember. Everybody just say, to remember. And that's why we do communion.